Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, darling. It's me, Tess Janos, host of the ongoing comic book discussion podcast. And if I got a Halloween treat for you. This October, I am hosting a horror comic marathon for 31 days. That's right, my frightful fiends. Every single day from October 1st to October 31st, OCD will review a horror comic to count down to the greatest holiday ever conjured. You can follow OCD on Instagram and OCD Podcast, Facebook at facebook.com slash OCD Podcast and Twitter at Ongoing Comic Pod. It's going to be a hauntingly good time, so be there or or just just be there. Ooh. Hello and welcome back to Why This Film, the podcast where we reach back into your childhood, pick out a movie, rewatch it, and have a chat about it. I'm Emily Slade and welcome back. You watched it so many times before, and now you're gonna watch it again. But it's been so many years since you last saw it, and now you show it to your friends, and they're like, What? What am I watching? Why? Th- what? Is what? This? Why? Why this film? And today I'm joined by Thomas from the Double Edged Double Bill podcast. Hello! Hello! How's it going over there? Good. How's it going over there? Which side of America are you? I am actually in Florida. Ooh, Florida. I only know about Florida from all the articles where it's like, Florida be crazy. Are they true? Yeah, every single one. (laughs) Amazing. Um, So I assume right now, walking past your window, a guy is like stealing an alligator or something. That's the kind of stuff you get up to. I mean, they have them as pets at this point. The neighbors just like, oh, hey, Fred. As the alligator, good, great. I literally couldn't think of anything worse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's so much worse. <laughs> uh, but your chosen movie is not bad. Your chosen movie is 1995's Babe, the IMDb breakdown. Babe, a pig raised by sheepdogs, learns to herd sheep with a little help from Farmer Hoggett. Why this film? Well, uh, a bit behind the curtain for prep for the show, I submitted three films for you. Uh, the other two were Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Toy Story 2. And I think it's kind of serendipitous I chose those two with Babe because those two are basically like what I mostly grew up on as a kid. Mostly just like big studio 80s, like Amblin sort of movies, or then Toy Story 2, a lot of like the 90s into 2000s, like Pixar, DreamWorks, other so anime movies like those were like the big mainstays of my childhood mm-hmm. but i remember distinctly even at a very young age watching babe and realizing this was different i couldn't quantify because i was like five yeah but i'm like this is very different from all the other kids movies i watched and watching again it's like yeah this one uh really works because unlike you know some of those it really stands the test of time it is a timeless movie truly it really is and the reason i didn't pick the other two is because they've they've come up a lot a lot of people have suggested both of those movies and I just keep batting them away and going with the sort of obscure third one. And no one has suggested this one yet and I've been waiting and waiting and waiting because I've just been like, what? Like, any minute now, someone's gonna do it and then I'll get to rewatch it and it'll be a joyous day. And it was a joyous day, that day was today. And I watched Babe and Babe is a perfect movie. I'll, I'll yes. get that out there right now. Um, 
it has the most perfect scene in all of cinema in it where the farmer dances for his pig. <laughs> yes. I have to bring that up straight away because it's iconic. Um, it like if you haven't seen Babe, go and see Babe. Um, this kind of movie wouldn't get made today, I don't think. So, what, 95? So I, I don't think I saw it in cinemas. I would have been much too young. But I definitely mm-hmm. saw it on VHS uh, and rewatched it and rewatched it and rewatched it. He, the director wanted to make this movie for years um, but staved off it because uh, they didn't have the technology. Um, I don't know if this movie is, like, animal cruelty. I don't... There's a lot of animatronics. There's a lot of animal trainers. There's a lot of animals. Um... I don't know if it would be a, like the new Doctor Doolittle they made entirely CGI animals, didn't they? Yeah, I, I would assume so, yes. Yeah. So if they were to redo this, which they will never do because there will be a witch hunt, um, <laughs> they would probably do it that way. But it, there's something charming about the use of real animals and it just, the way it's structured, it's got the sort of chapter headings and this sort of Greek chorus of these three mice. Um, it's got just enough threat and just enough sadness. Like, I remember weeping at this movie from absolute heartbreak when I was a kid. And now I know it's coming. I can be a bit more, like, stiff upper lipped about it. But it's just, it it just moves along at such a beautiful pace. And every single chapter is so memorable in its own way. Um, the voice acting is magnificent. You've got Miriam Margulies, Hugo Weaving, who I had no idea who they were when I was like nine watching this, but um, <laughs> they're obviously iconic. Um, so I'm this because Dick King Smith, I believe, was a British author, um, and this movie seems very, even though it's filmed in Australia, it seems very, very Britishy with sort of everything about it. Um, so um, intre- was it a big hit in America? Oh, I mean, it was a massive success. It made like over $250 million. It was this weird phenomenon. Like it was nominated for seven Oscars. That's another thing. It's like this movie is incredibly acclaimed. Like best picture nominated, babe. Is something- That's another thing. Like you would never get that. You would I, never get yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it won best for special effects. Obviously it did. But um, I had no idea it was up for best picture. That's ridiculous. You think nowadays it'd be like Moonlight, La La Land, Babe the sheep pig. Like, you just wouldn't... It just wouldn't be let in. Um, I know that James Cromwell, um, first of all, is the farmer from Babe. And every time I see him in anything else, no matter what he's doing, whether he's cutting Jessica Lange's legs off in American Horror Story or, like, hanging out with Picard in that Star Trek movie, I'm like, oh, it's the farmer from Babe. Like, he is just the farmer from Babe. Um, he put his own Oscar nom forward. He paid for his own Oscar nomination. Um, and he deserves it. Like, he's oh, no, so it's, good in this movie. It's an amazing performance considering he has, like, barely any dialogue whatsoever. lines. Like, something yeah. ridiculous. Um, he acts his little socks off. He agreed to take the movie because he didn't have many lines. And he was like, oh, it'll be easy. Didn't, not realising that he was going to be in, like, 90% of the movie just silently. But it just, it's... It, like, you wouldn't think to find it in this movie, but it's a real testament of, like, acting. Just, like, screen acting. Just very subtle and silent and clever. And um, one of the greatest climaxes in all of cinema. Um, 
Do you cry at this movie? Um, do I cry implies that like it's just one tear as opposed to like by the like the last 20 minutes or so I'm just like complete like it's Niagara Falls just rain <laughs> coming down my face it's, it's so weird because it's like I agree I think it's because it's what you're talking about we're like the movie has this great sense of as you mentioned like it's a very whimsical it's very lovely in its own way but also it doesn't forget about the threat it doesn't yeah. forget about the darker side of these characters like this movie is basically about prejudice like the start of the movie with Roscoe Lee Brown, great narrator in this movie, saying this is the story of an unprejudiced heart, which like it, it's something that really rings true so much to this day of just like the, the whole back and forth of like sheep know that dogs are stupid and dogs know that sheep are stupid. Yeah. Just these different perspectives that you get. Like it doesn't shy away from any of these dark points, but then Babe comes and he's like, it, it's weird watching this especially. I was like, oh, this is why people clung to the Paddington movies. Yeah. I argue the Paddington movies are basically the new generation's version of a babe. It's so true. It's such a good point. Um, it really is. It's just that charming character who's completely non-judgmental and, and just wants to do good in the world, um, being thrown into these situations of which he has very little control or, 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 or succeeds because of his good nature and because of his kind heart. Um, I mean, the, just the, the very stark difference from the dogs sort of shouting and biting at the sheep and then you learn that Babe gets his way because he asks politely. Like, it, it's a charming message as well as genuinely enjoyable to watch as well. You're just like, oh, such a delight. Um, that's the thing, you don't get delightful movies anymore. You'll get yeah. like, oh, that's a cute movie. You'll never get really delightful movies nearly as much. That's why I say yeah. like a Paddington. That was the first time in a while I'd seen a movie like quite as delightful in any regard. It's so true. It just... Uh, taking the time to be charming and not to try and cram the screen full of whatever fucking shit they can or like sell stuff off the back of it like i mean this movie was had a, it had a mcdonald's tie-in which considering the main actor james cromwell went vegan after being in this movie <laughs> And it's all about like, don't kill the animals for Christmas, train them up and they can have new skills and shared joy. And then it's like, enjoy your happy meal with your nice babe toy. Well, that's the thing I also liked is that uh, we didn't mention the sort of writer producer behind this is George Miller of the Mad Max movies, which is also amazing. <laughs> this no guy way! went from, yeah, like the main sort of creative force of the movie was behind like the Mad Max movies and Happy Feet and would like later go on to do like Fury Road. Like about 20 years after he made this adorable little movie, he made the best action movie maybe of the last century. Um, I, I like the fact that he commented this on the commentary where he says, I didn't necessarily want to say that like, oh, you shouldn't eat meat or anything like that, but to respect what you're doing when you eat meat. I think that's yeah. the thing is that he yeah. sort of respects the idea that it's like, okay, look, you should acknowledge what you're doing. Like there's that whole scene, really gruesome in its idea where it's like the, the duck, who is the MVP by the way of the side characters. I love that duck, Ferdinand. Um, looking, and it's just like, oh, that's Alice. Oh, I, she had such a sweet disposition. Yeah, and they're just yeah. eating her, right? <laughs> yeah. And they, they make such a point of, like, cutting into it, and you can, like, hear the bone cracking, and you're like, ooh, don't eat animals, kids. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, and the, the, like, I don't know if you have a dog. Do you have a dog? Yes, yes. And, like... I remember going to pick our dogs up as puppies and not even considering that their mom is just there like I knew this day was coming but it's super sad and like 
Ah, but uh, near the very beginning of the movie, I forgot how early on it happens. And she's very candid about it. She talks about how she was ripped away from her mum at your age, and my pups are gonna have to leave me soon. But then the day comes, and all the puppies. That man takes three puppies. Why does he need three? <laughs> like, come on. You don't need three. Sheepdog like, country. You need plenty of dogs to like herd those sheep. You do not need three. Like a man just juggling three cup puppies, which like also is the best job ever. Like I wouldn't be that actor. Like I'll come in and hold the three puppies. Um, you can film me doing that and pay me for it. Thank you. Bye. Um, a puppy wrangler, Emily. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's super sad. It's just very. She's sort of stoically standing there watching her puppies get sold, and then. She's just really bummed out in the shed and nothing anyone can say. And then Babe's like, can I call you mom? <laughs> this movie! <laughs> just makes you cry know, that, every five minutes. No, that's what I love about it too, is the fact that it's a movie about basically like breaking social norms like that. About realizing that like oh, you always have this conscious thought in a society of like, oh, it's absolutely fair, rigid, this is how it happens, this is the way things work. But then like somebody can come in like a babe and it's just like, well, I can actually like provide empathy to you yeah. despite the fact that like this is happening all around you. That's, and I think we should also give credit, like you mentioned a bunch of the voice actors, but Christine Cavanaugh is the voice of babe yes. who people would might recognize as Chucky from Rugrats yeah. or Dexter from Dexter's lab. And like they replaced her in the sequel and it's like, you can't replace a voice no. that perfect for babe. I don't like the sequel. The sequel uh, it, I remember it frightened me when I was a kid for whatever reason. Oh, it's a horrific film for children. <laughs> yeah, so I stopped watching it. Yeah. It just really scared me. I can't even remember why. Uh, well, I mean, there's there's a lot of, like, you, you talk about, like, oh, quote-unquote animal cruelty in this movie. That movie has plenty of scenes where you think, oh, a dog just died horribly. Yeah. Like, the, there are a couple, and that's so interesting because despite saying George Miller wrote and produced this, he didn't direct it. Chris Noonan directed it. And you can kind of tell, like, George Miller took over for the sequel, you can tell sort of his darker Mad Max sensibilities kind of came in a bit more in the sequel, which I rewatched too. I like the the sequel myself, but I will say yeah. that it doesn't have that same purity that this one it, does. Yeah, I remember it being, capitalist is the wrong word, but that's the like, if I licked Babe Pig in the City, that's what I would taste. Because I just remember there's that woman who has lots of animals and she's the, the monkeys. I just, I don't like dressing monkeys up in human clothes it reminds me of a time where we were like stupid and horrible and like mean um and i know there's a lot of that in here and um the i don't think james cromwell's in it at all or if he is it's very brief he, he's very briefly at the beginning and it's like yeah. oh i broke my leg i can't go with you to the city bye yeah and i'm like mm -mm, yeah. he was the heart and soul of this movie so without him as well i'm like not interested and then she's dressed up in like a clown suit at one point and there's like food all over her. I just remember I was very squeamish as a child anyway and like just all of the imagery that's coming back to me about Babe Pig in the City, I'm just like, oh. And like Ferdinand's a big character in it and I was like, fuck that duck. Like, I don't want to say he's your babe, but I'm like... Uh, like to to be fair, he's really not that bad in this movie. I think it's in the second movie that he starts to piss me off. I, is he in the second movie? I don't even remember. Maybe I'm well, he's projecting. He, oh yeah, he's in the second movie, but I think I would say his role is about as sizable here as it is in the second movie. That one right. emphasizes a lot more on like a bunch of new characters, um, yeah. like the monkeys you mentioned and a bunch of other things that um, I don't think are nearly as successful as this movie because I think this movie knows how to dole out the other side characters, yeah. um, especially like one uh, another. I think great. Uh, particular relationship in here is the one that he has with the sheep ma which 
I love the fact that it's it's kind of like oh oh god, <laughs> and especially that's another part where the movie doesn't shy away from the darkness, where like he's like his little pig nose has blood on it, like it doesn't shy away from how brutal that is. Just the like whole concept where it's like, I've assumed that this tiny piglet has killed my sheep and therefore I'm gonna shoot it in the head like the bit where the puppies wake him up one morning and they run into what's clearly the like I don't know what you would call it but like the kill house the shed where they kill all the animals and it's got like hooks from the ceiling and the music's like kind of thing and um and you're like death is real and it's very real to these farm animals I mean for the first time ever watching this movie this duck wants to be a rooster. Haha, <laughs> funny, I'm a kid and the duck wants to be a rooster, adorable. Because he's aware of his own insignificance and wants to have a place in the world to save himself from inevitable murder. Like, oh, no, that's the thing. Like, this movie's very much sort of, it's aware of all of that stuff. And I think especially my favorite example of that is, I always remember, like, when I think back on it, it's like, oh, the dancing moment with, like, James Cromwell when he's sick. That's cute. How did he get sick again? Oh, yeah, he went off into the woods during the rain because he had an existential crisis about realizing that he's only good for food because of that asshole cat. That fucking cat, man. <laughs> I don't like that people always paint cats as the villains in these movies, but that fucking cat can literally <laughs> suck a dick. What a bitch! Like, how dare you? It is so satisfying when he picks it up by the scruff of his neck and chucks it out into the rain and it's like meow meow let me in it's like no you can fuck right off you made my pig bleed my champion prize pig um yeah that cat is probably up there with like the joker and the terminator <laughs> the greatest criminal mastermind of our time the cat from babe yeah honestly and the narrator is like never trust a cat with a grudge and then the cat comes in is like oh you do realize that you're only good for eating and babe's like what oh god and you're like he has a competition tomorrow how could you <laughs> it's so mean um the crime and punishment segment i can't watch it that's the bit where ferdinand is and i think this is why i don't like ferdinand is the bit where ferdinand's like go in and get the clock for me it's like um no commit your own crimes i don't care how allergic you are to the cat um so of course then hilarity ensues and um but what i like is that it's not over the top no it's very short right right as a kid as well i remember being like no 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 please 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 stop 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 i mean that scene has as much tension as like any mad max set piece (laughs) Where something's about to like fall apart completely, but it's like a pig with the fucking yarn around its tail. Use of um, music as well, where it's like, oh man, and the the I really like how each um, scene ends with the camera like zooming in to the circle, and then it like closes, and then we've got the new scene. It's yeah, yeah, the iris in, iris out. It's very old silent film. Yeah, and it's it's a clever, cute idea. This movie almost didn't need half the imaginative structure that was applied to it but it works so well like who is like will adapt a kids book and will like keep it as a book will like give it chapters and because i guess it must be so episodic all leading up to this final thing and it but yet within the episodes you're still learning so much about the greater themes of the movie and the the the, it's still driving the plot forward it's very clever very cleverly done um who commits crimes on Christmas Day? Like, who's a, who's like, oh, it's Christmas Day, we should go a sheep rustling. 
Let's go steal some sheep. I mean, no one's watching the sheep. They're off having their Christmas duck. It, no one's I there. Mean, it makes sense as a crime, but also who's like, that's it. That's the day we should go a stealing sheep christmas day like what hang out with your own families you losers no maybe they don't have time. families and that's the point you don't know yeah. their lives <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible I, again like it's it's so good at building atmosphere and building tension the way like everything leads in front of the duck flies away and then the pig is like oh i hear some like shit going down in the field and the way they use the narration to build the tension it just everything's so good and it all builds up to as i said the best climax in any fucking movie ever where um when everyone's laughing obviously he enters the pig into the sheep dog competition that's the plot and it's wonderful and i love the fact him. also the whole aspect of him not wanting to lie and it's just this like it's like oh name of dog it's like just his name just he just puts name. pig, pig. <laughs> and then he's like and they're like you technically aren't breaking any rules so it's up to you if you want to go forward with this what is your choice um, and then he does, and it's great, because everyone's laughing at him, and then the commentators are taking the piss, and then everything falls completely silent, and it, like, you fall silent along with it, and all you want to do is, like, cheer and shout, because the pig is proving a point to everyone, but there is no sound other than, like, the, like, trotty trot trot of the sheep, and the, like, flap of a fan, or, like, people going... It's just silent, and it's so clever. It's so clever because, of course, then when he like clicks that gate, then the worst extras extras in the world get to do their shitty performances. But <laughs> right, isn't everyone in this movie except the the farmer and his wife terrible actors? I mean, I don't. I think they're hyped in a way that fits the storybook nature of the movie. I think this is what a kid would think. Like, oh, everyone cheering at this like sheepdog thing would be i think they're, they're they're very animated but in a way that i think works for the sort of storybook nature of the movie it's fair i think because james cromwell is playing it so straight and so well and so on like uh believably that when people are like <laughs> you hear that hon dad thinks the pig could be a dog you're like <laughs> wow did you train did you know the difference between theater and screen? Well, I, like, I, I think that makes I think that makes James Cromwell's performance stand out all the more. And I think that makes it yeah. work as well as it does because he's so stoic, but you can read so much off like every little facial expression. Um, and I, I think especially like that climax to get back to it, I, I do agree that it works so well. It's the best sports movie climax. Go, go fuck yourself, Rocky. This is it. Yeah, yeah literally. This, this shit is like exactly like what I, you want out of like an underdog sports movie. Right? Anyone that doesn't genuinely like let out a cheer or like a breath at least when that gate clicks doesn't have a, a soul. It's so well built up. It's so, you just, you're rooting for the pig the whole time and he's done it through pure like strength of character and like Rex has come around. You, It's a very short movie and you get so much information in there. You know all of these characters. You know why they're there. You know what their struggles are. They overcome them. They're dark. They're real. Um, and yet, it's a on the surface, it's just about a pig that is a sheepdog. And like, like well done, Dick King Smith. Like, what a charming little notion to have been made into this multi Academy Award nominated 
movie franchise almost. I'm surprised they haven't tried to remake it. Yeah, I'm surprised they haven't quite gone back to the Babel either. I think it's just because this movie made such a distinctive stamp at this particular time that it's it's sort of like an untouchable, like no one wants to really touch it. No mm. one wants to be the guy to like, hey, we kind of screwed up Babe. And even some would argue that Babe Pig in the City kind of did that. Yeah. But I give credit to that movie for at least like realizing, hey, we can't do the exact same movie. We're going to do something very different left turn. True. And it might not work for you, but at least respect the idea of like, you can't go back home to this again. Yeah. It's, it's too much of like a perfect object of a movie to really work for all the reasons that we're saying. Also, a big thing that I really glom onto with this particular watch the lighting in this movie is fantastic i literally and, put, i was like what a joy to watch a movie that is so bright and well lit and like it's nothing why i like mad max uh weirdly now that you've said that it's the same people but um it, you can see everything that's going on and it's not dark and gritty and gray and impossible it does know when to have moments like that like even when um the fly and uh, the hugo weaving dog are like having their fight or when they have like weird meeting in the barn house and it looks like awful yeah. and, dis and disturbing or even the very i forgot the very opening of this movie after like oh it's a cute little storybook sequence all the little things it's like oh here's a place where they like take pigs out of being like mass produced yeah basically it's like weird and creepy farm with with the horrible narration over the top where it's like the pigs think that they all just go off to the perfect heaven when they get fat enough and it's so lovely that none of them ever come back and the pigs all want to aspire to that, so nobody questions anything. And then you've got this little animatronic pig that's crying. And it's so sad. He just wants his mom. Uh. And that's another thing is a big praise to the fact that, like, despite this movie being, like, 25 years old, the effects work works so phenomenally well still. The combination of animatronics, mm -hmm. the real animals, and the even computer mouth movements, that was the big innovation this movie had, was everyone was like, holy fuck, a pig can talk, look at its mouth move. That's yeah. amazing. It still holds up pretty well. It's. I didn't, obviously, I didn't appreciate it when I was a kid. I was just like, yep, this is happening. <laughs> I mean, this is what happens. They talk like that. Yeah, they flap their mouth yeah. open, yeah. But um, this time around, I, I, could, I could see when something was an animatronic and something was, because uh, I'm like, <laughs> look at me, so clever. Because um, obviously you're an adult and you're more aware. But you're mm -hmm. right, it hasn't aged per se. And there was one bit where Fly was talking to the sheep and her mouth, when it was opening, was had like blue tinges on it a bit. And I was like, oh, okay, I can see that you've been doing some CGI there. But other than that, you're right. I am just like, yep, the animals are talking. They just managed to catch them on camera. That's what's happening. <laughs> animals are talking. Because you believe it. It really sets up this world. But it doesn't cross the line where the animals then talk to the humans. Because then that would be weird and it would be a completely different vibe. Um, it it sort of innovated that uh, animal talking movie thing that I read somewhere where like they then went on to make loads of this kind of thing. I can't oh, think yeah. of any off the top of my head. But I mean, was... that's the thing is like before I watched Babe on VHS, I grew up with plenty of like the knockoff babes, just like put them on production, just fucking pigs talk go or whatever, like whatever <laughs> animals need to talk. And I those don't nearly stick with me as much as this one. I think because it just like had limitations at the time mm -hmm. of like, okay, we can't have them talking all the time. So we have to have like either animatronics or focus on the other, you know, uh, the human characters or have the actual animals pop in. It's a great example of like limitations actually breeding the mother of invention kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you think of the sort of homeward bound where they don't open their mouths at all. It's just voiceover over the top of uh, yeah. animals, which is, is, is fine. It's 
perfectly fine, but to actually see the mouths of these animals move is is magical. It's truly magical. Um, oh, so good. I've got so many notes where I'm just like, oh, I love this movie. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, also a, a big credit to the some of the other people. Like the, I, I love the whole thing with the Rex dog. I think the Rex dog is such a fascinating supporting character, where he's definitely like this guy who would be your main antagonist in any other like lame kids movie. Yeah. He would be the big, but you get a full scope of like, oh, this is why he's awful, and he this tried saving he people, sheep. and he had the, why he hates sheep, exactly all this other stuff. I, I love the fact that this movie, even with like the cat. Like, it shows that, like, these different animals and people are, like, just victims of being in this particular societal situation. It's and so there's just, like, dog-eat-dog kind of thing. Not punny. Not trying to be funny with that. <laughs> um, but it's, it, it's very much just, like, look, all these animals just, like, know how awful this world can get. And they're just trying to put their stake in life. To quote Ferdinand, uh, the treachery of it. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's interesting how aware of their own mortality that they are. They're unaware of their position that they are. The 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 yeah the the way that the the cat's clearly very spoiled and therefore used to getting its way and uh, products of their environment. And yet at the same time, it's it's so interesting as an adult watching Rex the dog, who probably is like top dog, as it were, uh, of this farm where he's probably treated the best and has the best. Um, everything provided for him to to sit in the barn and be like all animals have their place and you must be your animal in your place it's like yeah it's very easy for you to say that isn't it Rex as you're sitting in front of the fucking fire with your third meal of the day um while I'm getting plumped up for Christmas Um, and yet Babe never also like really lashes out at people because of it yeah. Babe is constantly just like, well, I, I, you know, I just realized that maybe I'm just being, you know, awful in my own way if I were to lash out at these people like that. I just love that that pure innocence of that character just really rings true in moments like that. Mm-hmm. And he succeeds because of his innocence and purity. It's never, he's never punished for it or he never gets duped over by it or um, he never suffers because of it. Same with Paddington, like you can't punish these characters for their innocence, whereas a, a lesser movie would have done it would have been like wake up babe god uh, we're gonna die <laughs> so, no, it's fine. We're all good. and then there'd be a fart joke and a pop culture reference right literally now, yes <laughs> on twitter and then like ugh, bleh, bleh. god if this movie was made today it would suck yeah also a shout out to my favorite babe line which is during the climax when he talks to the sheep just like now if all the girls with the bows could walk out of the circle i'd very much oblige <laughs> i just kid. love He's so polite. Um, let's talk about uh, the bit that everybody talks about all the time, where the farmer sings and dances for his pig. So they they took a song. Um, oh my god, I got it up and then I forgot it immediately. Like a nineteen. Uh, if I had words. A nineteen like seventies song that they they put in a lot of the instrumental. Uh, soundtrack for this movie uh, which now if you were to hear the original song on the radio I think you'd just be like that's the Babe song that's the song from Babe yeah like how Matilda took that song and now it's the Matilda song Um, same vibe and it's just so charming and it doesn't need to happen I doubt it happens in the book there's no narration surrounding it to imply that it does but the farmer is nursing his little pig and he just starts croakily singing a cappella of this 1976 
reggae hit and then he does the most pure dance sequence and he gets his pig to eat again why is it so sad why is it so good why is it what everyone remembers about this movie I think it's a great example of like, we've seen this pig who's been so pure this entire movie. And then he's at his lowest point. He's at just the very bottom of the barrel. Like, I can't get up. I can't do anything. I'm not a sheep dog. I'm just meant to be food. He's sort of his nihilistic low point. And the farmer who's been kind of like had this weird, almost sixth sense about how the animals feel finally gets to like express and we're just like, you know what? This pig is like near death. I need to show it that like I have like some kind of appreciation for it. And that's through a very awkward but incredibly endearing song and dance moment. It's so endearing. It's yes. So it's honestly an iconic piece of cinema. Like, fuck your rosebuds. Like, <laughs> the, the farmer dancing for his pig makes everyone. Cry. I mean, I mean, it's. I would say the moment for me though is that old do pig. I think that's such like it's such a very simplistic beautiful and I found out something so interesting that up to this point James Cromwell was kind of like a character actor who had been in things but never been anything this big this is the largest role I'd ever had and what he said that like when he was looking into the lens for that particular moment he saw his father saying that'll do Jamie yeah and that's such like a weird beautiful touching thing to even just like that adds to just how wonderfully endearing that moment is i read that too just before it happened i was scrolling on imdb and i read that and i was like that's so i don't even know what the word is but like because his father was uh in the film industry wasn't he i think he was a director so like there's even more weight to it there and and then when he looks into the camera and you can see the like tears in his eyes and it's like a crowning moment in this actor's life where he knows he's onto something good and he knows that he's just done the performance of his lifetime in a movie that he took on because he thought it was going to be easy. Um, but through that genuine, and I think that's what it is because it's clearly coming from such a genuine place from the actor, it feeds into this movie and you're like, yeah, oh my God, like... Oh, and the way the narration leads up to it, where it's like everyone was like shouting and screaming and the only two figures stood silently side by side and uh, when no one else had anything to say, the farmer knew exactly what was needed. And and obviously it's the first thing he says when he picks the pig up at the fair when he first meets him. Um, it's an interesting choice to have him say it to the camera. It You're already wholly in this movie. And then that just completely cements it as well. Um, it's very touching. It's very moving. I, weirdly, I have the exact, I kind of made this joke on Twitter that it, he has the same energy as Max at the end of Mad Max Fury Road, doing his like <laughs> nod and then leaving, which that's another movie where like I cry during the ending of that movie. That's such like a yeah. beautiful swelling moment. It has the same energy, both those sequences. Yeah. And that's, that's where you can tell like, oh, despite the fact this guy made a gritty R-rated action movie and this cute little G-rated kids film like they both had that same kind of earnest joy and build up to like a massively satisfying climactic moment yeah satisfying is definitely the word it's and and the quote itself has gone down i think i think it's often in top 100 quotes of all time like everybody knows it it's it's obviously um people probably know it more now from what shrek did with it bastardized it but um it's so pure and it's it's so good because it's not a franchise and because 
no one really talks about the sequel. No one really talks about Babe, considering how um, progressive it was as a movie. No one really talks about it. It's almost a forgotten gem, almost. And yet it's also in everyone's subconscious at the same time. It's really weird. Well, yeah, it definitely feels like one that, like, whenever I may have children or whatever, this is one where it's like I have no hesitations about showing them this oh later. As opposed to there are plenty of other stupid kids who like, grew up with it. It's like, why the hell would I show them this? <laughs> they have no context for any connection whatsoever to this. And the only thing they might ask me during this is like, Papa, what's a fax machine? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, it's exactly. the one thing they'll ask. <laughs> I don't know, because I was born in 1991. <laughs> 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 It's weird for me too, child of mine. Yeah, it's so true. Like, this is completely timeless. You nailed it at the beginning. It's completely timeless. Um, and not one bit of it dates it. They, they, as you so rightly said as well, they literally don't make them like that anymore. They're so scared to be relevant to the kids that they don't consider that to be relevant, you need to be timeless. And not date your movie by making Twitter jokes. It's why we need to lionize and galvanize things like the Paddington movies more when they come along. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was critically acclaimed, wasn't it? Pad uh, Paddington 2, especially. Uh, right, but it, I think it was more of a crossover in your neck of the woods as opposed to over here. Just like, yeah, it's the bear, London, whatever. 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 <laughs> the London bear. Yeah, no, we like, <laughs> went crazy. I think there's now a national holiday for Paddington. I'm joking, but like, that probably is. Um, Look, I had no more pure moment than when I visited London a few months ago and went to Paddington Station and sat next to the fucking statue. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's so good. It was showing on TV today, actually, Paddington, and, and Film 4, the channel, did a watch-along, and Paddington himself was on Twitter and uh, joined in, and um, it was lovely and charming and great and everything that makes this country good. Paddington for Prime Minister. He'll know what to do. <laughs> He won't deny the NHS funding or PPE equipment. Oh, we're angry. <laughs> well, everything's fine here. <laughs> Nothing's wrong at all oh, in yeah. the States. We're great. Yeah, you're doing just fine. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I have nothing to say except I'm sorry. No, but that's why we need more movies like this to help us through the quarantine. We need more babes, <laughs> more babes. in our lives. Just watch babe on repeat. Yeah, I mean, I really that you cannot fault this movie. Like, you can't fault it. There's nothing that I can sit here and say that's like, mm, I think it's interesting how they did this and that's the blah, 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 blah. There's none of that. Um, as far as I can see. I've, I've, I've mentioned every note I've made already. Oh, this is just one of those annoying episodes where I'm just like, I agree, it's lovely, I love it. <laughs> um, I just want to give at least a bit of a shout out to uh, Majda Subanski, I apologize if I mispronounce that, but who plays the, the uh, farmer's wife who we haven't talked about that much. Yes. I like the fact that there are points where she comes off as potentially like, oh, she could be a villain. Like she's much more villainous necessarily than the farmer, but she's another great example of like, you can see why these two would be a couple. You can see why these two sort of have their dynamic. And even when, like, she's so enthusiastic about something as horrific, it's like, oh, I'm going to feed the pig so I can make Christmas ham and shit like that. You, you get, and that's what makes it work so well, like, how much she doubts him until, like, she's watching on the TV and you're crying along with her, like, yes, yeah. I'm with you, mom. Yeah. She, um, she's, uh, if you've ever seen the Australian TV series, Kath and Kim, um, she's in that and she she was like 31 
when she was filming this movie and she was yes i found that that blows my fucking mind it's insane i mean there are points where i'm like you can see that she's in her early 30s and like even james cromwell you can see the like talcum powder on his hair um (laughs) but that's really lovely because they have the energy of these young actors and the comic timing of these young actors um whilst yeah well, they, I would argue they embody sort of like the spirit of like these people feel like they've been married for 30 years. Yeah. Like they know each other so well and they're back and forth. They that do. helps to like really establish sort of like the, the reality of the movie. Yeah. But then the reality is such a bizarre place. Every time I, because it was on at Christmas and I caught the end of it and then I obviously rewatched it today. And I was like, I know it's filmed in Australia, but... I didn't get that as a kid and I wouldn't have even considered to think that as a kid because, um, I mean, obviously you're Florida, so it might be different for you, but, but Christmas in the UK is, is not blue skies and sunshine. Um, but it's something I never even considered watching this movie, but now I'm looking at it and I'm like, it's weird that it's Christmas. Like, where are they? because everything is so british they've got these county fairs and they're raising sheep and like and obviously it could easily be australia or new zealand but as a brit it felt so british i do have to just check if dick kingsmith himself was british because i might be like talking out of my butt Um, (laughs) well what i like is that like even as you know as an american you know as a little child it was just like they talk kind of funny whatever it's fine but then like actually watching it like you really was like this could be anywhere this could be yeah. on fucking Mars for all we know, because it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like any specific place at all. But that helps with the timeless quality of it. It feels yeah. like, oh, this is just any town world, basically. So true. And, and, and really, the only thing that dates it is a fax machine. But because fax machines are so out of date now anyway. Um, it helps make it timeless still. Yeah, <laughs> weirdly. it's just like, it is a because you're on their side. You're like, what is this weird newfangled technology that you're asking me to use for some random reason, like like when you see a fax machine in Toy Story 2 as well, you're like, that's just a weird old thing that that man has because he's weird. And weird people have weird stuff, so it's fine. You're not like, oh, it must be the 90s. And yeah, Dick Kingsmith was a English writer. <laughs> oh, um, it was called Babe the Sheep Pig in the UK, the book, but it was called Babe the Gallant Pig in the US because you always got to do things different over there, haven't you? We're rebels, we're renegades, we don't play by like, any rules. We don't like the original title, we're gonna change it. Philosophers... No. This is America, our pigs are gallant, <laughs> damn it! <laughs> Literally. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, Somerset. It's from Somerset, which makes sense in terms of, yeah, the setting and stuff. But, but you're right, it could literally be on fucking Mars. It's in Babeland. It's just in Babeland. Which, right. speaking of, why is there not a Babeland? Like, there's no... There was a McDonald's tie-in, but other than that, there's no sort of massive merchandise. There's no sort of world in a in a theme park corner dedicated to a farm where you can like rear sheep or whatever for fun on your weekends. Um, I mean, it sounds so exciting when you're saying it. It, it sounds like <laughs> any kid's dream. It's like, mommy, can I herd the sheep? Can I milk the cow, mommy? <laughs> oh, yeah. But I, I think that adds to the purity of it because it hasn't been mass merchandised in yeah. any way. Like, that was the thing, speaking to the theme park thing, like, when I was a kid, I loved Dr. Seuss, and I loved going to, like, Islands of Adventure for, like, Dr. Seuss land, but the more I grew up, I was just like, oh, this is, like, a gross, capitalist, horrible, like, complete destruction of him. even realize there was a Dr. Seuss land, and the very little I know of Dr. Seuss, I think he would be horrified if he had a theme park after his work. 
Um, yeah, I think that's the thing is that like Babe stands on its own in that perfect way of just like it's this basically this one movie and then the sequel that at least is weird and interesting. I almost am glad the sequel exists because it kind of murdered the idea of like, no, this can't be more of a franchise. Yeah. Maybe it's almost a self-sabotage by George Miller. Just like, oh, you want a franchise? Here's this horrible <laughs> nightmare movie. <laughs> that will destroy any kid's hope of having that. You're welcome. There was, I remember there was a lot more merchandise as well to do with Babe Pig in the City. Uh, another McDonald's thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Maybe even Burger King. Who knows? But yeah, Babe, the perfect movie. Anything else to say? Uh, I think that'll do, Emily. <laughs> That'll do oh my God. I like didn't even mean to set that up. Thank you. That's made my day. Um, tell us about <laughs> the Double Edge Double Bill podcast. Uh, double Edge Double Bill is a podcast I do with my co-host Adam Thomas, where every week we cover a random double feature of a good and a bad feature. Uh, basically, we pick at the end of every episode for the next one our good and bad movie. Uh, for an example, episode that'll probably be out around this time is our musicals episode, where we do uh, our good feature is Phantom of the Paradise. And our bad feature is the canon classic, The Apple, a drug-induced 70s disco movie about the far-off distant future of 1984. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that sounds bad. <laughs> it's um, pretty bad. It's really fun. I've started listening to your Bride of Frankenstein, the, the Mummy, the new Mummy uh, episode. I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's a really Thank cool you. concept. That's a really good. You can find it on Spotify. That's where I'm listening to it. Where else can you find it? I mean, any place where you can get podcasts, like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all those great apps that you use, any of your podcatchers out there, we come out every Tuesday, and we're at Pod on Facebook and Twitter on there, um, and yeah, it's, it's a great time, and uh, of course, we would love to have somebody like a you on the show anytime. You're welcome. Oh my god, please let me on. I'm so good at talking about bad movies, because I think bad movies are actually good movies, so I would like, come in and fuck your, like analytics and be like, Anarchy. it's brilliant what are you talking about <laughs> is the perfect movie <laughs> right there with babe like babe ben helsing <laughs> the exact level of competency exactly um no i would love to please 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 let me on your podcast <laughs> <laughs> um yay thank you so much for coming on um absolute joy like my I was, I came downstairs and I was like, I need to watch Babe before 7pm, who wants to watch it with me? And usually when I do this, my parents are like, no, go away, just go do your weird podcast by yourself. Uh, and they were like, Babe, sign me up! And they were like sat in the living room, like waiting to watch Babe with me um, this afternoon. So that was, uh, proves that the movie is good, because both my parents sat down and watched it with me. Uh, as we it's a movie that generally holds up for any of all ages. Yeah. All ages. Eight it to really eight. Is. It really is. And even beyond. Like, it just, it's fucking perfect. Go and watch Babe. If you haven't watched Babe, what have you been doing? Go and watch Babe. <laughs> I don't know where you can watch it. We had it on DVD. Obviously, we did. Same. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, you must be able to rent it off YouTube or something. YouTube's pretty good for that kind of thing. It's worth you your money if it's not available it to stream. Really is. It really is. It'll be like a fiver on DVD. Like, no one knows about Babe anymore. When We're going to bring Babe back. We're going to get it trending on Twitter. All that jazz. Babe, Babe, Babe. Hashtag Babe. Thank you for <laughs> letting me watch Babe. <laughs> and thank you for letting me talk about Babe on your lovely show. You're welcome. Uh, we'll see you next time on Why This Film. Bye!
Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying Why This Film, why not head to iTunes and leave us a review? You can find us on Facebook at Why This Film Podcast, on Twitter at Why This Film Pod, and on Instagram at Why This Film Podcast. If you'd like to support the show, we are on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Why This Film Podcast. You can support us as a member from £3 a month, or just donate any amount you see fit towards the running of the podcast. There's so much that I'd love to do and so much further that I'd like to go. So your support really does mean everything to me. Thanks again and we'll see you next time. As a small business owner, you're always running. Running to a meeting, running errands, running out of time. Now, one thing you don't have to worry about is running payroll. Meet Roll by ADP, a first-of-its-kind chat-based payroll app that's powered by AI. Roll is the faster, easier, smarter payroll app. So don't overthink it and say hello to a whole new way to payroll. Download the Roll by ADP app today or go to getroll.com slash chat. That's G-E-T-R-O-L-L dot com slash C-H-A-T. Why This Film Podcast has a Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for artists and creators to get paid. Head to patreon.com forward slash why this film podcast and you can select a tier. For £3 a month, you can join Camelot and enjoy early access to episodes, including seasons one to three. You'll get to vote in polls and get a personal shout out on the pod. For £5 a month, you can join Ferngully with instant access to everything from Camelot. Ferngully members can also enjoy bonus content, live episode voting power, plus access to monthly movie night. Grab your popcorn and a drink of your choice as we pajama up and watch a movie together remotely. And for £10 a month, you can join the Enchanted Forest, where on top of everything from Camelot and Ferngully, you can be part of a live episode where we all discuss a movie chosen by you. And if you're not into 80s and 90s animated tiers, you can skip all that and make a custom pledge of an amount that suits you. Or you can head over to co-fi.com forward slash why this film podcast and buy me a coffee with a one-off payment. We will be adding hot chocolate to that coffee and probably cream and marshmallows and sprinkles, but you don't need to worry about that. Thank you to all who donate, and thanks to my patron David for supporting this episode on Patreon. Why This Film Podcast is my happy place. I love chatting to guests and revisiting long-lost movies, and I hope you do too.